0: Or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM, Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So there is so much to talk about. Uh, well, there always is, right? When is there ever a time when there's not a lot to unpack, discuss, uh, pour over, contemplate? Uh, so we're going to do what we always do, and that's just dive right on in. Now, I want to talk about freedom of speech and double standards. Those are the two themes of today's show. Those are the two ideas that are kind of kind of dominate uh, the discussion that I have for you. So I first want to talk about Mayor Wu. Now, I have repeatedly said that if Michelle Wu would just listen, had she just listened to people, had she respected the memoranda that was in place between the city of Boston and several unions regarding uh, the vaccines, A lot of the pushback that she has been experiencing would not have taken place. And I think that it's not just with this, although this is undeniably a very big issue. And it's actually, you know, the idea of a mandate, vaccine mandate, it has united a lot of people. So, of course, for the moment, uh, you know, there's been uh, an injunction, but, of course, the city, and I share this, is is looking to appeal uh, the decision. I would have to say that it's—I don't know if it's even— you know, I I'm saying that if she had only listened— uh, that it's so important to to take on board what other people are feeling, uh, their concerns. But I just, I'm wondering if it's more than just simply an unwillingness to listen. And I think that maybe it might even be a question of respect. And I think it's also a fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to be a public servant, because that's what, of course, Mayor Wu is. And I I do think that there is uh, a real lack of of, of respect that she has for her, you know, that she has shown, rather, toward her constituents. (coughs) I think that I think that that's shown in her doing what she wants, how she wants, uh, and wherever she's wherever she wants. And I think that it's also the double standards that are rampant that she just cries racism when members of her staff have expressed ideas. That are really quite, quite appalling. Uh, One of her one of her uh, key people, Jessica Peer, who handles uh, communications for her, uh, has engaged in rhetoric, anti Asian rhetoric, and really, quite frankly, I it's like I said, it's appalling. And and I have to say that if it were I who would express such despicable language. if it had been I who had employed such rhetoric, I can assure you that I would have been it would have been a rap. <laughs> it would have been a rap. Uh, but I would never say some of the things that this young woman has has said uh, because I was raised differently. I you know adhere to a completely uh, different set of beliefs but to, to get back to. Really, the root of all this, I, I I have to say that yes, it's not just a, a question of an unwillingness to listen, a reticence. It's and it's what's obviously a way beyond just a, a, a reticence. It's it's an, it's a downright unwillingness. But I think it, it's it's to the point where we can talk about a lack of respect. And so, very recently, um, well, actually on Monday, <laughs> just yesterday. Uh, there was uh, a city council uh, hearing on Mayor Wu's ordinance. It's an ordinance that she crafted, and it's regarding the hours that protesters can peacefully, uh, uh, you know, assemble uh, if a specific residence is targeted now, I say peacefully, peaceably, but of course, Mayor Wu is trying to argue that that's in fact hasn't been the case that the protesters that have appeared in front of her house uh for the last few weeks the last few months, they've actually been vindictive and malicious, and they've disrupted her neighborhood they've disturbed her and her family. she has two young children and it's, it's also caused problems with her neighbors. So what she is proposing is expanding the hours from uh, from 9 to 9. So currently, we do have a law in place that, you know, says that protesting can take place from 11 to 7. So if you're going in front of, you know, if you want to go... In front of a, a political figure's home. Uh, if you're looking to protest elsewhere, the there there's between the hours of eleven p.m. and seven a.m. You cannot. And so, it's interesting. Just like uh, regarding the vaccine mandate, this particular ordinance has created interesting bedfellows. So of course you have um Evan George and he I find him interesting I do. Uh he's he's a democrat socialist. He's a podcaster and he's based in Dorchester. So I don't know if he's actually originally from Boston, originally from Dorchester, uh, but that's where I believe he's currently based. And he uh actually agrees that with a lot of people on the right, that this is actually a very bad idea, that this ordinance really is not about protecting the neighborhood and the peace and the quiet of of, of Mayor Wu and her family and her neighbors, but it's in fact an, an effort to silence her critics. And so, of course, those who support the ordinance outright are arguing that again, that the protesters have engaged in behavior that is particularly malicious and mean-spirited toward Mayor Wu. And some are further arguing that uh, it is because she is a woman and because she's a woman of color. Now, I disagree very vehemently um, with Maya Wu's action. In fact, it just seems like it. it I I I'm hard pressed to, to 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 think of something that she has done that I consider beneficial. Uh, so this is the latest in the long line of particularly egregious acts that really make me question not only her. Her, her appropriateness, like her her or her ability to be mayor, I'll phrase it like that, but her ability to hold any public office because it, it's just what I'm seeing. It's it's it, it's it's not something that is conducive to people being able to thrive and to enjoy all the wonderful things that this city has to offer. Um, in, if if we can't even protest, if, we, if we're being told, we're being forced to do something when there are several paths that would allow us, and now I'm, of course, talking about the vaccine mandate, when there are several... Or there have been several approved paths that would allow us to keep ourselves safe as well as others. It's just, I, I just lack of respect, and I just, I don't think she's fit to hold public office. And I know that's saying a lot, but I, I just think that this isn't the, 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 the opposition to Mayor Wu to Michelle Michelle Wu cannot be just all attributed to racism. And misogyny. It can't now, because I said it can't all be attributed. Some people might be saying, "Well, does that mean that you concede that there is maybe some racism and that there's some misogyny involved?" Uh, I I would say that yes. Now that might be something that a lot of people do not want to hear. But I, I do think that there is an element of, of bigotry, and I've said that consistently. The problem I have with talking about racism and misogyny, however, is that all the protesters cannot categorically be painted as such. Uh, it's it's I think that the overwhelming I believe that the overwhelming majority of protesters. They are standing up for rights that are being trampled upon. but but, let's talk about the racism and the misogyny. I mean, I am very politically active, and I see how people treat me. <laughs> you know i I get comments. Uh, I met with reactions that I'm sure other people are not met with. Like, let's take Charlie Baker. Uh, when Charlie Baker, you know, first emerged as a candidate, a political candidate, as of, as opposed to uh, an, an operative, uh, but when he actually emerged as or a political staffer, when he, or a part of an administration, when he actually emerged as as a candidate himself, um and and I'm talking about before running for governor, I I can't imagine that people questioned his ability to do the job. And I cannot imagine that he had to fight to be taken seriously. Now, I know that in some instances I have had to work to be taken seriously. I know that in some instances when I walk into a room as a woman and then as a woman of color, there are going to be people that don't think I belong. And so I'm speaking very plainly. I'm being very honest because I don't know any other way really to be. Um, So I fully acknowledge that there is racism. Now I'm speaking broadly. There is racism, and there is misogyny um, that women and women of color are met with. Having said all that, notwithstanding that critical truth, I think it's wrong, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll repeatedly stress this, I think it's wrong to baselessly and unequivocally accuse all of Wu's critics and particularly those who have gone to her house on a regular basis, of of being bigots. I don't think that's fair. And I know that, again, if Michelle had sat down and talked to people, that would have gone a long way in assuaging their concerns. Now, I appreciate... The counselors who have expressed the idea that they're concerned about the First Amendment as well—they should be, as well—they sh- they should uh, they should be, um, but at the same time, you know, they expressed a concern for any kind of hatefulness, and and they were speaking, I think, broadly, and I you know I appreciated. I, you know, hearing those nuanced positions, I, 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 you know, I really do. Now, I started to say that this this particular ordinance, like with the vaccine mandate, it has united people. Interestingly, on the left and right, and I, I mentioned Evan George, and here he is agreeing. <laughs> He's agreeing with. The protesters who have appeared in front of Michelle Wu's house, and you know, I think it's not just because oh, this is what I think. Um, I I do think that you know those on the left who 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 see the potential for harm, uh, who see the potential for uh, a slippery slope scenario. I you know, I makes me almost rather hopeful because it tells me, and maybe I'm just being overly optimistic and, and incredibly naive in, in, in just this instance, but it, it makes me me think that, yeah, I mean, we're all Americans at the end of the day, and that there are certain values that we can coalesce around so it is heartening to see that people on polar ends of, of the political spectrum in in general and in principle can actually come together so it is possible what i would say about mayor wu again you know if you're not willing to sit down with people if you're not willing to return calls and, and respond to emails, and I have heard a number of complaints that that has actually been the case, I, what are people supposed to do? Now, I myself am very much against the idea of people uh, being hateful, whether it's in word or, or action. I don't support bigotry of all kind of any kind, rather. Uh, I never have, I never will. But people have the right to express their discontent and they have the right to be heard. And, and let's make this general. If you're talking about a situation where people are talking, but people aren't bothering to respond, that's disrespectful. That, that's, it shows a, a, an, a phenomenal lack of regard. And so, if you're not responding to people's concerns, and people are worried, or they're scared, or they're angry, or they're frustrated, and you're just not bothering to respond to them at all, I mean, I'm not talking about if people are being uh, obnoxious or they're insulting. Uh, no one has to. I don't care who it is. No one ha- is under any obligation to be verbally abused. Okay, so let's get that out there. But what I'm what I'm talking about is is Citizens concerned about their rights, citizens who don't believe that the government is working for them too, and so if the response of the government and the form in this instance of Mayor Wu is to not respond at all i i that's sending a message that well, I just don't care that's what she's saying now her allies and her supporters would argue presumably very much the opposite but you have you have to respond you can't just pretend people don't exist you can't just smile and then you know think that that's going to make it all go away people are not being heard their voices don't mean anything or at the very least they're dis- diminished and I would argue greatly so if those who are supposed to represent them are ignoring them. And so there, of course, there are some elected officials who support this bill outright, um, including Council President uh, Ed Flynn. And I actually I actually have a lot of respect for Ed Flynn. And I'm going to continue to support him. And people might not agree with him on this issue. And that's fine, because I think that he's walking a tightrope, a fine line. And he is working with people with wildly divergent views. And I actually think he's doing a good job. And a lot of people, again, um, on the political right might not like that. But there's a difference between—and I'm not saying this to be pedantic or condescending. Oh, my gosh. Heck no. But what I'm going to say is that there's a difference between being an activist and advocating for a cause, trying to be a proponent of of, of, of of a particular position, Um trying to remedy an issue and being an elected official. And as council president, any council president would have to be walking a fine line, particularly now in this day and age where there are so many people that are more interested in engaging in polarizing rhetoric and adopting polarized positions than trying to even understand what others might be feeling. So I will continue to uh, support Ed Flynn. I think that, you know, he's done some great things. He will continue to do so. And I'm grateful for his work, and people forget this. I'm grateful for his work on, um, you know advocating and pushing for our children to be to play uh, to play sports. So uh it's unfortunate that people choose to forget that. And I will say on a last note regarding uh president council president um Ed Flynn that people have the tendency to support people with the expectation or the or maybe I should say the caveat that Okay, I'll support you as long as you say and do everything that I say and do. And that's not how it works. Again, Ed Flynn has to broker, if you will, uh, an agreement. He has to bring different people together. And as a counselor, his district is is incredibly diverse and rich. Uh, well, I mean, the, the entirety of the city is very diverse and rich. But he has to... Be there to actually listen and engage with all of his constituents, not just a, a select few. So there's that, and and I think that even if people disagree with what I'm saying, I, I'd be grateful uh, if they could at least contemplate or try to understand why I think what I do, and 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 at least try to understand the position that the council president, Ed Flynn, is in. Um, Interestingly, um, Julia Mejia, well, I'm not surprised that she's against it because, again, uh, the left, um, a lot of members on the left are not for this, just like a lot of people on the right. Um, What's interesting, though, is that she said that, you know, we already have a law. We don't need to have another one like it. We don't need to entertain another law On top of this, uh, on top of what we already have, which is interesting um, because I'm sure if I went back and looked, and it wouldn't take much research, if I went back and looked at what Councilor Mejia has said over time, you would see that she, you know, she contradicts herself. But, I mean, whatever. I mean, I think the, the crux... Of this matter is the freedom of speech, and and people being able to express themselves and having a right to be heard. Like I said, it's we keep on coming back to the issue of respect, and I think as a human being we deserve it. You know, we all deserve it. Uh, so that that's really um, a big issue. Uh, you have City Councilor District Seven Tanya Fernandez who um is 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 not in favor of this as well and then you have um council baker who is you know more on the other side who is against it he's inclined to oppose it um so it's 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 an interesting discussion i think from an intellectual perspective um i'm trying to be i mean certainly as a you know from a vis, you know like viscerally like you know i I'm very much opposed to this, but I think uh, from an intellectual perspective, I think that it's an important discussion and debate for people to have. Uh, District 4, Councilor Brian Worrell, um, I actually like him. I actually quite like him. Um, I supported another candidate very strongly, and I think that that person would have been great on the council, Um he was not uh, you know, he was not victorious. Uh Worrell, uh won. Um and I wish him well. Um, but you know, although I didn't support him, I, I do I do like him. I, I do uh, find him interesting. Um he uh did not comment uh for one article that I read uh regarding the different reactions of the counselors to this ordinance. And I'm not going to castigate him. I'm not going to, uh, to to slam him for not, uh, commenting because it, it is quite a complex issue, and it shouldn't be reduced to sound bites. And I'm not saying that that's what some of the other councils have done, but I think that it's 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 a tough subject. But I think at the root of it. Uh, Again, I keep on saying respect, 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 and then, you know, the Constitution. The Constitution is the Constitution. People have a right to express themselves. They have a right to um, peacefully assemble. They have a right to be heard. People cannot be silenced, not here. They shouldn't be silenced anywhere, but certainly not here. So on that note, that was, I know, that was a bit of a mouthful, right? Uh, or a lot to chew on, rather. Uh, I'm going to go to our first break of the night. Uh, you've been listening to me, Rachel Meiselman. Uh, this is Bostonian Rap, uh, and this is L P one 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. If you are struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify, and how to enroll at fcc.gov ACP, or call toll-free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. You went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Potential is everywhere. It's in every child and every community. Big Brothers Big Sisters of Eastern Massachusetts works to transform communities by empowering, defending, and igniting the potential of youth across eastern Massachusetts, ensuring every child has the support from caring adults that they need for healthy development and success in life. Big Brothers Big Sisters fosters one-to-one mentoring relationships between child and adult, helping the youth in our communities achieve their fullest potential. But at any given moment, there are hundreds of children in our region in need of a caring adult role model. Do you have what it takes to become a defender of potential? You can learn more at massbaybigs.org. Hello and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman and you are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. So we talked all about freedom of speech and the right to peacefully assemble this is the First Amendment, and the First Amendment cannot be diminished. It cannot be ignored. It cannot be altered. It's, it's an inalienable right, and that's that. I want to go into another uh, topic. So at the top of the show, I did talk about uh, the theme, the idea of double standards. And so I want to talk about Monica cannon Grant. Now, Monica Cannon-Grant is a figure, uh, a very well-known figure in Boston. She was the co-founder of uh, BLM here in Boston. And, you know, she actually ran for office herself uh, at one point. Uh, After that, she became uh, increasingly involved with, uh, I think, activism and more recently, she founded a nonprofit. And the nonprofit um, is called, was called, is, I'll use present tense, Violence in Boston, Inc. And I'm going to express probably what is considered on the political right an unpopular opinion. But before I get to that, the reason why I'm talking to her, or talking about her, is because uh, she was she and her husband uh, were indicted on federal fraud charges, and uh, there are eighteen counts. So this is this is very serious, and she is alleged to have diverted a lot of money uh, from the nonprofit to herself and her husband. Uh, for, you know, for personal expenses, and it's it's just all very sad. And so, some people are hooting and hollering, and a lot of people are calling this very satisfying. And of course, a lot of people are saying this in part because uh, Monica now infamously—I mean, this this video went viral. Uh, she talked about uh, a woman named Rayla Campbell, a fellow Republican who uh, <laughs> we ran against each other uh, in 2020. Uh, the idea was, uh, well, we both wanted to get on the ballot uh, and to face off against Ayanna Presley and Monica. Of course, in this video was incredibly crude, and it was it was a hateful, vitriolic rant where she said some very uh, very disparaging things about Rayla Campbell and and she also talked about Rayla Campbell's interracial marriage and it was just it was again it was just very hateful and it was very crude and i i mean that's that's that now i'll be blunt I'm no fan of Rayla Campbell. Uh, some people might argue she is very nice, very sweet, very kind. Um, I find her very... <laughs> um, how how shall I phrase it? I find her very uh, unorthodox. And for what she's trying to do, So in principle, it's about being a public servant because now she's running to be Secretary of State. And for someone who's running to be a public servant, um, she has said and done things um, that are a matter of public record um, that I find, um, at the least, I would call it inappropriate, um, if not incredibly offensive. So that's already um, expressing an unpopular opinion. Um, My attitude, my position was, in that whole thing, that regardless of what I think of Rayla Campbell, Monica Cannon Grant was wrong. Having said that, that video, the video that Monica released of her rant about Rayla Campbell... Um, it, you know, there are no angels here. There are no angels. And I could and will talk about Rayla Campbell at another time that I think is, is more appropriate. But I want to talk more about Monica. And the Monica whom I met uh, several years ago was someone whom I quite liked. And it was interesting because when I met her, I mean, I'm upfront. You know, I I tell people. I mean, I don't broadcast it, but I'm not going to lie or hide it. Uh, I, I mean, I'm mixed race, and I'm proud of that. I have a black mother and a white father, and pretty certain that Monica knew this, and the hostility that she expressed, the hatefulness that she expressed about or the hustle that she has toward the idea of interracial marriage i i i don't know what was going on there because i'm the i'm the offspring of of an interracial marriage and we actually i'm telling you we got along well she actually always treated me with respect and i know that i you know i had um some things on my plate that I needed to resolve. And I remember talking to her about them, just mentioning them. And she showed real, there was real compassion there. She wanted me to call her and, you know, for us to talk about it and to see what she could do. And I got to tell you that, I mean, I I was born at night, but not last night. so. You know, I I, I am a firm believer that there are certain things that can't be faked. Um, and I think compassion is one of them. And I saw real compassion. And, you know, I, I have a friend who happens to be white. I'm friendly with a woman who happens to be white. And, you know, what she said about Monica, really, it, 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 it you know, when we were talking about Monica... It echoed what I just shared with you guys. It's she found Monica to be a caring individual. And she remembered that Monica defended her on an occasion, you know, you know, a white woman. And I just, it doesn't change what she's done. It doesn't mean that she shouldn't be held accountable. Um, for anything that she's done wrong, I'm just trying to tell people that I knew a different Monica. Um, we don't talk anymore um, when i <laughs> when I um went from being uh, just a big mouth <laughs> to uh a candidate with a big mouth, um, we no longer spoke. It wasn't my choice. Um, there was no falling out. There was no. There were no words exchanged. It's just she distanced herself from me, and found that to be a shame. And then, of course, um, what has happened since, and you know, again, people are hooting and hollering, but I'm going to say that. You know, I I don't think that Rayla Campbell is in the position to what I what I will say, and I'll leave it at this. I don't for today for today's show, at the least. Um, I don't see her being in the position to wag her finger at Monica Cannon Grant. Um, I just I simply don't, and I just. I think with someone like Monica because I do know a different side to her. Um I knew her as 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 someone else. Um I it's just a shame. It's really a shame because I think that she did have the capacity to do a whole lot of good and and she chose to do the exact opposite. She chose to Conduct herself in a way on on a number of occasions that really diminished who she was of what she could possibly have done. And it's just it's just all very, very sad. It's very, very sad. So I'm not gonna say, oh, I wish her luck, or I, you know. No, it's just it's sad. And she needs to be held accountable for what she's done but because as i say i know her behaving otherwise i i I've, I've seen her behave otherwise i just wonder why she could not have stayed along, on that path because i think that she very much had a choice and and that's makes it all the worse I mean, there's some people, I mean, I think <laughs> we always have a choice in life, what we're going to do, um, how we're going to go, how wh- what we're going to say, what we're going to do. Um, but I think some of us, because of our talents or because of our heart or because of our brain or because of our personality, or it could be anything, but we have something that really can make a difference, however small, however big, and it would have been just so good to see her really be a role model, and instead uh, she's she and both she and her husband and are in a lot of a lot of trouble. But the double standards come in because. I mean, a lot of people on the political right—they're—they're they're willing to rejoice, relish, and what has happened to Monica Cannon and Granite, and—and and again, Monica brought it all upon herself. So I don't feel sorry for her being held accountable for her having to pay the piper. What I feel sorry about is because I know she could have done otherwise, right? Um, but I just, I'm tired of people on the political right. Let's not even talk about committing a crime. Like, I'm I'm tired of the political right, people on the political right, because I don't want to generalize. I don't want to, I don't want to generalize about anybody. Uh, always and never are, are two words that I kind of try to stay away from. I try to refrain from using um i just i think that um when i'm i'm referring to a movement or um or when i'm referring to people it's just it's not helpful right it's not helpful in making my point uh any points that i have to make that i want to make wish to make um but i am tired of a lot of people on the right political right a number of people that have no problem with criticizing because you know, people have gotten more vocal now, right? They've no problem criticizing people who um oh, the word grift. <laughs> they're they're grifters. Uh people who 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 stand up and make a lot of noise, but they're not trying to make good noise. They're not trying to make meaningful noise. They're they're just trying to line their pockets. And so, you know, we, we people talk now, you know, the word grifter, you know, oh, he, you know, such a grifter. Or he, you know, he, he spends all his time grifting or, you know. So I, I I'm I'm getting tired of people on the right being able to call it out on the political left and see it so plainly on the political left, but they don't see it on the political right. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Um, I'm, being, I'm going to be very <laughs> circumspect in my comments uh, for, for a multitude of reasons, but I, I will tell people that I have been insulted for my skin color. Um, I have been insulted as a Jew um, by people on the political right now if the people who did this if they were because neither neither individual um, who's done this um you know the, the particular remarks that I'm thinking of neither individual who neither of the individuals that made the remarks um, happen neither one uh, is is white um I mean but if we were talking about a white male who had said the things to me that these two people ha- uh, have said, um, that person, it would have been a rap, okay? And other people on the political right would have said, oh, well, uh, that's not very good, is it? At least privately, something would have been said, okay? At least privately, some, someone would have said to me, oh, that's terrible, or I'm not surprised. But because these two people are individuals of color, It's okay. So let's recap. People on the political right, not all, but some. Have no problem with calling out grifters, have no problem with calling out um, identity politics or offensive language that's coming out of the mouth of a person of color if that person of color is on the left. But if we have a person of color on the political right who's engaging in hateful rhetoric who has no business running for anything not even the bus <laughs> all of a sudden the per- you know some of these people on the political right they become blind deaf and dumb and and I'm and I'm tired of it because these are double standards so Again, you know, let's let's go back to what I spoke about specifically. You know, the specific uh, person whom I mentioned, and that is Monica Cannon Grant. We have I can think of a couple of people who have engaged in similar behavior to Monica Cannon Grant on the on the political right. They they just also happen to be people of color, but for some reason. That's okay. That's not an issue. So the behavior of these people, it's okay, but if someone on the political left does it, it's not okay. So then what it comes down to is speaking more broadly, taking color out of it. We're looking at a situation or should I say a reality where as long as the people say what we want to hear. As long as the people are saying what we ourselves say, and I probably shouldn't say we, but you know, I'm just, it's just the way I'm phrasing it, then it's okay if they engage in um, behavior that's unpalatable, that's hateful, that's disgusting, that's inappropriate. And, and I can't get down with that. I'm not going to get down with that. You know, if you're ignorant or you're nasty or you're unpleasant or you're doing wrong, I don't care what letter you have after your name. I don't care if you hold all the same positions that I do, if you then say nasty things to people. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about me. It could be about other people. So it's just I'm tired of the double standards, Like, how is it that people can see so clearly one's shortcomings if the person doesn't share his or her political beliefs, but if it's someone who's in the same ideological camp, suddenly, you know, oh, well, we don't know what's going on. We hadn't noticed. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It most definitely is a big deal. And I'm tired of that. And You know, I believe that we are a one-party state. We really truly are. And I think that if we want to get to a place where we can start even imagining having any kind of choice, where we can start believing that all of our voices are being heard, I think we need to start Really taking the partisan blinders off. I'm not suggesting be wishy washy in in, in 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 our respective beliefs. Of course not. This 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 is just about being consistent, though, and this is about not being hypocritical because that's what it amounts to. Period. So I'm just, I'm tired of these these double standards. I really am. And uh, I just, I don't know. I just, I've reached a point where I'm just, I don't feel like I'm going to tolerate it. And I, I've also reached a point, so when I say I'm not going to tolerate it, it's just, what I mean is, you know, if a person, maybe this is the way to say it, If a person feels the need to comment on bad behavior of an individual who belongs to another ideological camp, but ignores the same behavior from someone of his ideological camp, I'm not going to try to convince that person of his hypocrisy. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to try to point out how... That doesn't make any sense, and how the lack of consistency takes away from anything valid that a person might say about the bad behavior i'm I'm not going to do it anymore because I'm not going to waste my breath. People believe what they want to believe, and then that's it. they believe what makes them feel good, and so it's so funny because that doesn't sound like something um. A politician would say. And I don't consider myself a politician. I consider myself, you know, I I use the term, I myself use the term politician very broadly. It's not just about someone who holds elected office, but it could be someone who is very politically engaged and involved with different issues and different campaigns. And I would say that notwithstanding my, um, high level of involvement and interest, um, I consider myself just a concerned <laughs> member of the public. That's, that's what I consider myself. And I just, to, to, to that end, um, you know, with the goal of, of trying to, to do some kind of good in my community, um, just as a concerned. concerned citizen, um, I, I, you know, I'm going to try to be consistent. I'm going to try to be consistent. So on the last um, bit of time we have, so we have a few minutes left. We have like about uh, seven minutes left. So I I think I talked about um, hypocrisy, you know, uh, the, what is it? The The lack of respect and the double standards, you know, hypocrisy, all that. I think I talked about that sufficiently. At least I hope I have. I think I have expressed myself fairly comprehensively. I want to talk about um, getting involved. Getting involved. Um, I always urge people to vote, it's so important. Um, What I'm going to say, though, is that. I'm going to kind of tr- change it up because definitely vote. It's important, um, you know. I, I've <laughs> I've spent uh, pretty much this whole this whole uh, show talking about the importance of uh, making one's voice heard, and, I, and I'm going to continue to say that. But I think it's important to uh, be a part of the whole process, or at least pay attention to it. So you know when. A political candidate, whoever it may be, stands up, you know, find out about that person, what position that he or she's running for, find out what that position entails. What does that office, what is the purpose of that office? So all of this is very, very important. Um, I think that there was a time when, um, it, you know, if you want to talk about political IQ from that perspective— you know, I think it was fairly high or higher um, when we had uh, civics in the classroom. And, you know, of course, uh, the governor signed signed a bill, you know, so now, you know, we do have civics education, but I, it's not, I signed a bill into law, but I, the, the civics education, I, I, I don't feel like it's, it's not, it's not as, comp it's, you know, I'll use that word comprehensive again, uh, it's not as um, detailed, it's not as extensive and far-reaching in terms of material and, and, and knowledge as as it was when I was in school. And I think that it is important to have such a, a subject. I think it's important um, to have that awareness and I think that until people start voting in greater numbers, because, because actually it's embarrassing um, how low the turnout is on a consistent basis, you know, on a consistent basis. Um, I think that we don't need to be talking about expanding voting rights to 16 year olds. Uh, you know, as it is, people double and triple that age. They can't. You know they can't vote, and if you ask them or if they're asked to sign a nomination paper for a candidate, they don't understand, or they're like, "Well, I'll I'll catch you in September," or oh, yeah. they don't understand the whole process, or they're not interested in the whole process. So, I think that we need to do a better job with educating our youth, most definitely but i don't think it would be such a bad idea if we had uh, a civics class <laughs> uh or, or um civics class you know educational initi- initiatives uh for 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 adults for those who are 18 and older because you know um uh, because i just i really think that people need to understand how our government works. They need to understand the infrastructure. And I think that that's a way actually to empower people, for them to be educated. Now, of course, there are going to be some people who might turn around and choose not to vote still, which always hurts my heart. (laughs) It really hurts my heart. But... I think that if people understand better how all the pieces fit together, I think that that can go some ways into getting people to go to the polls. I I, I and, and and not only go to the polls but to be more aware of 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 what leads up to to that moment when they go and cast their vote. So all of that's very important because, I mean, I can talk about not all voices being heard in the context of what Mayor Wu's ordinance means, if heaven forbid that ever passed. Um, But I think that it's also important to talk about all voices being heard insofar as People voting and understanding the whole process, that understanding that it's not just a vote, that it's also a signature. It's I mean, there, there's there, and there's so much in between. But. Unfortunately, that's all I have time for. Um, I could go on and on, but I won't. (laughs) Uh, That's all I have time for. You've been listening to me, Rachel Meiselman, on Bostonian Rap. I look forward so much to hanging out with you next week at the same time. Bye for now. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network